Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschool.com. And today I have Noe Ajbani, uh, an MBA student in the class of 2021 at USC Marshall's MBA program. And Noe is also the president of the Marshall Consulting and Strategy Club. Noe and I are going to have a great chat today. And what we're going to talk about is uh, the first year recruiting process, but in particular with respect to management consulting. Um, Noe um, lived through this last year and now is the president of the Marshall Consulting and Strategy Club. Part of his mandate is to um, really help uh, uh, him and his cabinets to help their first years kind of navigate through that process and same with second years as well. Um, but he certainly learned a lot along the way, having the experience in himself um, through the highs and lows. And, and we're going to talk about some of those highs and lows for sure and just some of the ways in which he was able to navigate them. So just to start, so first off, Nile, thanks so much for joining me today. And um, also, you know, you were certainly featured on MBA School a couple of weeks ago, and we'll make sure we link your article in the show notes. But just to start, could you tell us what did you do before business school and why did you even choose to go to business school in the first place? Yeah, so um, first off, thanks for having me. Excited for this chat. Um, I graduated undergrad back in 2014, and the first job out of undergrad was actually in the wealth advisory industry. Um, taking a step back in my last year of undergrad, uh, I kind of surveyed my top you know, skills and deficiencies and I found that the soft skills were really lacking. Um, the sales skills, negotiation, um, you know, presentations, all that stuff. And so I, I forced myself to get into a job that was you know, client-facing, almost salesy, um, working in like the insurance and investment sales portion of, of, of the industry. So I did that for about a year and a half learned a lot, got really comfortable in my own skin uh, by networking and doing presentations on, you know, daily, weekly basis. Um, and then once I, you know, felt comfortable with that, I, I moved on to my next job, um, which is more of a corporate job. Uh, I worked in product management at AAA, uh, working on the auto and home insurance side of the business. Um, that, was, that was a really great experience because I think overall being in product management is a pretty unique spot. Um, you know, at my firm, uh, being in product management means you don't have any, you know, direct decision making, uh, ability, but instead you have to influence everyone else around you, uh, the executive staff, department heads, uh, and learned quite a bit in that role as well. Um, did that for about three and a half years before coming to Marshall. Um, as far as why did I choose to go and if I've always wanted to go to business school, um, it's always been in the back of my head, um, throughout undergrad and, you know, potentially even before, you know, wanting to get a master's and, and graduate degree. Um, but the, the decision of why to go at the time that I did was probably, you know, two or three, two or three sided. Um, first, I had been in my role for about three and a half years. And I felt that at the firm that I was at and the company that I was at, um, I didn't see uh, a direct future in, in my career there. Um, you know, a lot of the business was uh, much more tenure based. 
Um, and, you know, me being pretty young in my career at that time, um, I didn't see a, really a direct line of sight to achieve the goals that I wanted to achieve. Um, but also, you know, partly that on top of the fact that, you know, I had five years of work experience, um, which is around the sweet spot for all, you know, the top, you know, 15, top 20 business goals. Um, I had got a pretty good uh, uh, skill set from a business standpoint. Um, and so I was like, you know what, this is the right time. It, you know, it was kind of coming together at once. Um, and it was the perfect storm for me to, you know, make the jump to go back to school. That's great. Um, thanks for sharing a little bit about your background and why you chose to go to business school in the first place. And as you were thinking about after, you know, working in uh, wealth advisory as well as in product management, you know, after, you know, doing that and coming to business school, did you know coming into business school that you were interested in management consulting or what did that process look like for you in determining that that was the function in industry you wanted to recruit for in your first year? Yeah. So I had actually been thinking about a career in consulting since undergrad. Um, you know, I first got exposed to it. I was just researching, you know, different post undergrad jobs. Um, unfortunately, the school that I went to didn't have, um, it didn't have any connections, didn't have any path to the consulting industry. Um, you know, the, the most common, um, entryway, if any, into the big four was into the audit and tax part of the business. Uh, consulting was non-existent. Um, and so I had been thinking about that throughout the five years where I was working in wealth advisory and product management. And when I started applying to business school, I was like, um, why not revisit this? This has been something that's been on top of my mind for a few years. Um, started to do more and more research and found that uh, the consulting um, business, there's you know a few entry points and one of them was after an MBA. So I had been thinking about it for a while. Um, I actually wrote about it in uh, many of my applications to business school. So definitely came into school with uh, the uh, idea and, and really the goal of getting into consulting. But that being said, it wasn't that I was only coming in with uh, the mindset of I'm only doing consulting, I'm not open to anything else. I very much so came in as I would urge everyone, um, really come into school, uh, feel out all the options once you get to campus, doesn't matter what school you go to, I'm sure you'll be exposed to a variety of industries, functions, things you may not even have heard of um, that are, are, are great. And so I definitely explored, um, but ultimately came back to my home base of what I wanted to do, which was consulting. Yep, that's great. And I, I think you're right of, you know, it's good to have a base, but it's also good to take advantage of the opportunities that you have in front of yourself and to to do that exploration, um, in both internal exploration as well as external expo exploration. So, so you come into Marshall, you have an idea of you, you hypothesis that it is management consulting, but there might be other opportunities out there. Could you maybe walk us through a little bit of your timeline in particular um, in that maybe that first semester of your first year? You know, what what did that look like for you? And you know, part of the reason why I ask is because I know you went into consulting and I also know that consulting is a pretty rigorous uh, recruiting process. So could you dive a little bit deeper into some of that? Yeah, sure. So uh, USD is a little unique. We have a, you know, term one that starts at the end of July. Um, and so I can start there as kind of a, a national starting point. So once you start in term one, we have uh, a few weekends of career insights where we, we bring back our alumni, uh, do a bunch of panels of various industries and functions. Um, and that's really where I first, you know, explored other functions outside of consulting, as well as meet some of our alumni in consulting. Um, and over those, over those three weeks of term one, 
um, really helped solidify, you know, kind of where I wanted to go uh, and have a better direction in my mind. Um, after term one was over, it was kind of the more traditional part of when most schools start in the third week of August. Um, and so once that time frame came around, that's really when most of the club activities kicked off. Uh, I think the consulting club uh, had their first kickoff at the very end of August. Some firms like EY or PwC started to have some more informal events uh, around the same time too. I think they had like a bowling event. Uh, EY had like a donut, uh, donut and coffee event on campus. And so, you know, things started off pretty quickly. I mean, you can imagine, you know, starting your MBA and within the first month, firms are already coming on campus. Um, you have to like get pretty good at networking and, and being in that atmosphere pretty early on. Um, and so, you know, after all that kind of settled down, uh, the consulting club activities picked up, you know, pretty rapidly when September uh, started. Uh, so I think the first month of September, the first full month, um, was a lot of a uh, lot of prep and getting used to getting into the habit of going through the various training programs that the consulting cl uh, firm offer or club offered, such as understanding what a case is and how to case, um, helping the firm up on a lot of the behavioral interview aspects, uh, and then also starting to network a little bit more heavily within the firms. So I think that, that was the first full month, and those were the, you know some of the first uh, key activities that uh, I partake uh, partake in. Thank you for breaking that down. Um, I'm I'm curious now that you're on the other side of it, and now that you're also probably in a position where you are counseling first years, you know about the consulting process. Do you have like a date or deadline for which you know if you are interested in consulting, you should have done enough homework to to know that you're you're all in on it. You know, in particular, just because it is such a demanding um, curriculum, if you will. Yeah, so, you know, unofficially through the consulting club, you know, our signups ended, I think, the second week of September, but we still had a few individuals trickle in. But I'd say around this time, you know, first week of October, last week of September, um, the, the candidates that are really serious, you know, this is around the time where they really hunker down and really identify it. Um, you know, we're talking in a, really, in a really good time because tomorrow, uh, Sunday, is actually the very first Super Sunday on campus. Uh, and so for all the listeners, Super Sunday is basically um, one of the times where uh, all of our first year students go through a mock interview uh, where we give them a practice case, practice behavioral, and uh, really set the, set the stage for what a real interview experience will be like. Um, so the first one tomorrow will be hosted by all the second year students, uh, you know, the board members and some of the uh, other members uh, who have gone through the recruiting process last year. Uh, and then we have two more Super Sundays throughout the course of the uh, fall semester. And those two will incorporate actual practitioners from the industry who come back to campus to give mock interviews. And traditionally, what we've seen on campus is after the first Super Sunday, which is tomorrow, um, there's a natural drop off uh, of individuals who have been sticking with consulting so far um, that are kind of the mindset of, let me just see how it goes and let me get a better feel for what's needed, what kind of work I need to put in. Um, and then naturally after the first Super Sunday, after they get the results back, after some reflection on, um, you know, where they're at, where they benchmark to their, their peers, I think a natural drop-off point occurs. And so I think, you know, in the next week or so is probably a good time to really um, identify that you really want to focus on consulting recruiting. Um, you know, consulting recruiting, like most of the recruiting, I, I think it's pretty rigorous. Um, and, you know, to be honest, it's probably 
uh, among the most rigorous that there is and takes up a lot of the time in the fall semester. And it's hard for students to recruit for, you know, two, really two things simultaneously if one of them is consulting and, and do both of them well. And so around this time is when I'd say make the decision of whether you're going to stick with it or not and um, just go with it. That's yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And for those of the of those in your club who are going to continue on, you know, knowing that this is um, it's beginning of October, um, could you walk us through maybe what those months of October, November, and December are like? You know, what's what is in that rigorous process? Like, what do those folks have uh, to either look forward to or to to dread, or maybe a little bit of both? Yeah. <laughs> so you know, thinking back to my time, you know, October, November, we focus on those two first. Um, I think in a couple of weeks, uh, all of our, all of our first year students will start the networking process with the firms. Um, you know, start doing informational calls, one on one, uh, coffee chats. Um, and I think that's really when things really get started and really start getting heated up is when you're expected to start doing those calls. You know, it's one additional thing that they add onto their plates that they didn't have in September. September was already a pretty busy month. I'm sure, uh, all the first years know. Um, on top of that, you're continuing with all the uh, case training, behavioral training that not only the club offers, but external resources that the club provides. And then October is also when, you know, uh, all the club or sorry, all the firm events start picking up as well. So, you know, October is an amalgamation of when all the things come together. Uh, and it's time to really get serious because uh, the time commitment increases even more compared to the time that you spend in September. Um, November is just kind of, kind of a continuation of that, uh, especially the first couple of weeks of November. Um, you, know, you continue to have a lot of the firm events, company presentations. Um, November is typically the time when uh, many students start easing a little bit on, on the casing. You know, September and October, they've got a great foundation. A lot of students go really hard at casing at that point. And November ends up being kind of like, let me just, uh, you know, kind of maintain where I'm at make slight tweaks to uh, where I need to make tweaks to. Uh, and then end of November is typically when uh, a lot of the students start thinking about resume drops. Uh, deadlines are usually, you know, last week of November, first week of December. Uh, and then winter break comes around. And, you know, the students that, again, are, are really gung-ho and uh, really want to make sure they do the prep, they're going to take winter break really seriously. They're going to continue to case. They're going to continue to reach out to their peers to practice behaviorals. Uh, to get ready for the interviews. And then once we get back on campus in January, it's go time for first round interviews. Yep, that that makes sense. And that sounds about right. And the other thing that um, is also going to be a big time commitment, which you um, didn't mention, but I know you meant was that, oh, by the way, you still have the rest of business school on top of all the things that you mentioned. So uh, (laughs) that and that in my where I, you know, from my experience, and I'm sure from I'm going to guess from yours too, in lies, you know, part of the challenge, right, is when you do get to those, those moments, where it's like, well, I have this group project that's due tomorrow. And myself, and maybe one other team member who are recruiting for consulting have this event this evening, right? So, so what happens, right? Or, um, you know, I have this extra opportunity to get um, office hours for a a class I know I need to do well in, but I also have, you know, this other thing. And those are where the like decisions come into play, right? In terms of like, yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, no, it's, it's a tricky one. Um, And I know, um, I know a lot of people struggle with that. I'm curious, how did you go about 
kind of working through those or thinking through how do I make the right decisions based off of like what's important to me? Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought it up because you're absolutely right. We focus only on the recruiting aspect, but you also have to remember you have a personal life and you have school, you have uh, group projects, you have academics, definitely a lot to juggle. Um, you know, I think, you know, when you're in business school, you have, you know, three different plates and you can, you can spin two plates really well at, at one time and the third one, not so well. You know, the three plates are uh, social life. Um, the second one is going to be academics. And third is going to be recruiting slash club activities. Again, you, you pick the two that you want to do well. And the third one, uh, just by nature, is going to kind of go to the wayside a little bit. Uh, it's a very personal decision. Um, and so, you know, I think most people uh, that I, I know probably tend to focus more on social life and recruiting. Uh, and the academics is kind of placed in the back burner behind the two of those. Um, you know, for me specifically, uh, recruiting was definitely the number one priority. I mean, you, know, you look at anyone going to any of the top business schools, most of the time you're going because you want to make a, a, a transition in your career and going after some kind of job. Uh, so that's naturally most people's mind, uh, the most important thing. Uh, now, what comes second is really where differentiation between uh, the students come in, right? Some students tend to go really all out when it comes to the social life and hates other classmates and, you know, going out, whatever the case may be. Uh, others will take uh, academics a little bit more seriously. Uh, I fell into the boat, you know, in my first semester um, where I prioritized recruiting and academics a little bit more. Um, for me personally, the reason why I did that was I wanted to make sure I, I showed a good GPA um, on top of, you know, what I had for undergrad. My undergrad GPA was not uh, the best of where it needed to be. And so I felt like I really had to get to a good spot um, to show, you know, uh, uh, an increase and also show uh, that from a, you know, mental horsepower standpoint, I'm able to do well. Uh, and so I ended up prioritizing academics a little bit more uh, in my first semester. Um, now, on the topic of you know, having group projects, quizzes, office hours that coincide with, you know, major events, whether it's, you know, presentations or, um, you know, firm, firm invite only happy hours and stuff like that. That's definitely a conversation you have to have with your core team. You know, at USC, we have, we have core teams of five or six individuals where you take all your classes together, very similar to, all, you know, probably most of the other schools. Uh, I happen to be in a really strong core team. We work really, really well together and uh, at the very beginning of, uh, beginning of the semester, we were actually sat down and talked about expectations. We talked about how we were going to handle these exact issues as they were going to come up. Uh, and so I think we were able to um, pretty easily navigate and maneuver whenever one of our members had to have uh, an event or something that they couldn't participate in our group project for maybe a day or two in. Um, and so we had those conversations up front. Um, and I think we were able to lean on each other whenever those ebbs and flows as some flows came through. Um, and so I think, you know, as, as those things happen, definitely talk to your core team, set expectations and, you know, definitely help out when the same thing happens uh, to them as well. No, I think that, I think that's great advice. And I, and I think that the thing that I think back to is it's, it's about number one, being able to understand your own um, priorities and then to be able to communicate them uh, with your team um, and in the right way. And then the other thing is, is that, you know, as a team member, um, being able to lean into that as well and to respect the fact that other people are doing the same thing and just finding ways to work together to to make it successful for everyone. Because to your point, um, you're all there to get the out, you know, specific career outcome, right? Um, and so 
um, to the degree that you can lean into that empathy, but provide it back, I think is, is what, is what helps. So I think that, I think exactly. that's all, yeah, that's all really sound advice. Okay. So we got through December now talk to me about your, you know, January, February, or the kind of the spring, um, you know, what, yeah. what was that like for you? January or February are, you know, stressful months going through consulting recruiting. You know, you, you come back on campus at USB at least uh, second week of January. And um, that's really when all the first round interviews really just come <laughs> raining down at the same exact time. You know, it's not uncommon to have multiple interviews on the same day or yeah, in the same week. And so, um, you know, I think you really have to get in a really good mindset, not only over winter break, um, but also when you get on campus of, okay, like now is, is game time, right? Like you've been prepping your entire fall semester for this moment. Um, and how are you going to capitalize on all of that? So um, and I, I think going back to January of this year specifically, um, the last week of winter break was really where um, I took, you know, much more seriously than, than the first two or three weeks in that um, I was like back into my, my regular grind as if like I was actually back in school with all my preparation and, and everything else. And so I came into the first week uh, of school ready to go for all my interviews. Um, you know, that's typically when, again, you have all the round one interviews in the first or second week uh, of coming back. Um, at the same time, you know, your, your friends are hearing back whether they got round two inter uh, interview invites, you're hearing back if you got round two, where you got round two. It's a roller coaster of emotions, uh, prepping and, and interviewing constantly doubting how you performed, uh, you know, after every single interview, as everyone does, thinking back about every little thing that you said and then how you could have said it better or, or more concise. Um, uh, it, so it's definitely, uh, definitely stressful. But I think in that time, it's important to maintain a good mindset and maintain your composure. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to get a couple of different offers, uh, at the very, by the end of, very end of uh, January, uh, which is where I think where I wrapped up, I wrapped up my last interview on January 31st of last year. Um, and so heading into February was much more of um, thinking about the offers, um, thinking about what was important to me, doing more research for the firms, um, talking to our alumni a little bit more, and then uh, made the decision, I think, towards the end of February where I wanted to go for my, for my uh, summer internship. Um, now, when all that cleared up and, you know, I was past that decision, um, March, April, and May in, in a regular year would, would probably be very awesome. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, this year, March, April, and May were all um, quarantined and stay-at-home stay orders in California, um, which kind of sucked because I was really looking forward to engaging more with my classmates. You know, I mentioned that in the first semester, I spent probably a, a more time on academics than I did with the social life with the mindset of, okay, when it comes to the second semester, after the recruiting is done, I'll, I'll spend more time with the social aspect. Um, so obviously was not able to do that. Um, so, you know, March, April, May of this year um, were, were unique in that sense. Um, but I think for a typical year, uh, a normal year, you can expect that to be uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit more open. You know, you don't really have anything going on from a recruiting standpoint. Luckily, you know, as, as you've gotten a, a consulting internship lockdown, so really all you're, all you're focused on is academics. Um, and then that's, you know, March is around the time frame when um, elections happen, going through the whole process of if you do want to become president, you know, getting your cabinet and your board together, um, which is exactly what I went through. And so a lot of my April uh, and even May 
was all about uh, fall planning for the club. So um, again, whether you choose to do that or not, those are the kind of two options of how your April and May would turn out. Yeah, thank you for walking us through that. And I think that's a really good detailed breakdown. I would love to know, I mean, I think that in your case, um, you ended up with a, an internship offer. It sounds like a couple offers, um, which is great. But I also know, like you said, it was a pretty stressful at times process. So could you maybe share a little bit about, for you at least, like what some of the highs and lows were, um, whether it was through the interview process or even just the general recruiting process in general? Yeah, so sorry, I, I the highs and lows, right? Yeah. I broke up there a little bit. Yeah, so it, it was actually great for me to reflect on that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll bring up a couple of different a couple of different things. Um, two things. So coming into school last year, um, I've always heard for MBB specifically that you know there's certain um, GMAT GPA requirements or, or thresholds that they look for, and you know my academic history before coming to USC was not super strong. And, you know, I, I don't think I met what they were looking for from a numbers perspective. Um, but in my mind, I was trying, I was trying to overcome that hurdle of, okay, if I, if I don't meet um, some of these numbers, you know, I still want to recruit for them. I still want to go after them. And so I did, but I'd say not a low, but something that was, you know, kind of challenged me throughout the entire recruiting process was it was constantly in the back of my mind of, well, I don't meet these numbers. Does that mean I'm not good enough? Does that mean that I shouldn't put as much effort? And I think constantly having that in the back of my mind kind of prevented me from, you know, doing as much as I should have, doing as much as I did with other firms that I was focusing more on recruiting for. Um, and so going back to the mindset, I think it's important to one, obviously understand any possible, you know, uh, raw numbers or any of those expectations that firms have. But if you don't have them, or even if you do, like at that point, it's, it is what it is. You should just go forward with, with the mindset that you're going to, you know, go all out. You're going to put in the same effort. Um, that was one of the, that was one of the challenges that I had. Um, from the other standpoint of you know, things that went really well. Um, so when it came to casing, I think like most students coming into business school, casing is, was pretty brand new to me. Um, I remember doing the very first, I don't know, four or five cases uh, was absolutely miserable. Um, <laughs> didn't, and I felt like, okay, I really need to improve on this. Um, and I, I kind of went all in. You know, I, I worked with my MCSC mentor on a weekly basis um, and, case, and case with him. Um, and I actually spent a lot of time giving cases to my classmates. That really helped me specifically in the learning process. Um, not only me doing the case, but giving cases to someone else. Um, and I, I focused on that very heavily on, in September and October. Um, and I got really good at it uh, by the time the first Super Sunday came around. Um, and even with Super Sundays 2 and 3, um, definitely performed really well. And I think that, that was one of the, the highs as far as times when I saw a challenge coming forth. Uh, and then I put in the time and effort to really circumvent that uh, and really get on top of it. Um, Apart from that, um, I'd say, you know, uh, another high going into uh, the spring semester was uh, the entire, you know, uh, the presidential side of things. You know, I felt that, you know, my standing in the club in the fall semester 
Um, I did a pretty good job making myself uh, known pretty, pretty, you know, vocal in, in my, my desire to give back to the club, uh, help out my fellow classmates with casing or behavioral prep. Uh, and then when I made the decision to run for president, um, that was really what I was focused on was all, all the work I had done in the fall semester and my desire to do the same exact thing for the first year class. And but now instead of being, you know, a fellow first year, it'd be from the standpoint of being a second year student. Um, and so, you know, eventually, you know, winning that presidential bid, uh, going through that, that entire process um, was definitely a highlight. Uh, I was extremely excited, you know, my, my entire life. I'd never, ever done anything like run for, you know, president, like from high school or in college. Like I've, I've never gotten involved in like student government club activities to that standpoint. So it was the very first time that I've ever ran. Um, so it was very unique from that perspective and uh, was, was really happy of you know how, how that turned out. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, I didn't realize, I, just considering how involved you are, I just assume you've always just kind of been involved in things. So it's, fu- it's fun to learn that you never had done that before until business school. That's super cool. I think that's, uh, and I think that also speaks to the opportunities that business school can provide just in terms of uh, giving you a chance to do things that you haven't done before, but could be good at and grow in. I think one of the things that you said that really struck out with me when it go back to the casing piece, right? Um, something that was really hard, um, something that was really challenging, but something you kind of gritted your teeth and like dug your heels into, and then eventually kind of um, got good at it. And just, you know, I think that's something I see a lot of potential value in business school is that um, there are going to be opportunities that are really hard um, or there are going to be times when, you know, things are tough. I mean, um, you didn't talk about it as much, but I presume that like there probably were difficult interviews or maybe things that didn't go your way. Right. Um, yeah. And I know that to be true for a lot of other people, myself included. So I'm just wondering whether it was with casing, whether it was in the interview process or just in other parts of business school, like what, what helped you get through those moments or or how did you keep pushing? You know, how did you push yourself to keep casing, even if it was going poorly, like what helped you kind of move forward from those moments? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. And, you know, if we take a step back, up until probably a few years ago, um, I was very much so like a, a, a very different person than I'm now. Um, I was much more shy, reserved. Um, like, you know, I think one, having gone through business school, but also, you know, the, the growth that I had seen in my professional career before business school um, really opened me up in, in terms of knowing my thinking. Um, but also, you know, a, a lot of the actions that I've done and how I go about solving issues. And so once I came into business school um, and you're faced with these with various challenges, right, whether it's academic related, club activities, recruiting, casing, personal life. Um, I've always thought it's important, especially as of the last year, um, to have a growth mindset, um, right? Always. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm an expert in growth mindset and, and give you the, the exact science and, and all that behind it. But I'll talk a little bit more about what, what that means to me and, and how I go about employing that mindset to help overcome those issues that you, that you talked about. Um, to me specifically, uh, you know, as I think about growth mindset and especially when you're you know, faced with challenging situations, um, I think for me, I always try to look at it um, with the glass half full perspective. Um, constantly think about how these challenges are op- these challenges can be opportunities for me to continue learning, you know, fine-tuning my craft. How um, you know these challenges or potentially failures right now um, will help me in the future. 
always framing it from that perspective. You know, over the last couple of years, you, you know, even before business school, it really helped me overcome a lot of the challenges you mentioned. You know, specifically going back to the casing, you know, aspect of it. Um, once I found that, you know, in the first few weeks to be really challenging, um, you know, I've seen kind of two different ways that that plays out with students. Um, some students um, decide that, you know, they, that, you know, casing for consulting is not for them for whatever reason, they make a personal decision. Um, for me, it was, hey, look, this is what I want to do. Um, this is going to be a challenge for me. And so what do I need to do in my mind to, to make that right and, and, and you know, move forward with the, with the best foot forward? Um, and always for me, you know, it's a combination of time and effort. Um, you know, I, I sincerely believe that, you know, most things in life and most things in business school, uh, when you're faced with that kind of challenge, uh, time and effort um, will help solve that. Now, the issue that comes with the time and effort is once you dedicate more time and more effort to something, uh, naturally, that time and effort gets taken away from something else. And that potentially pops up new issues, right? So it's almost like a revolving um, you know, whack-a-mole uh, kind of scenario going on. Um, but, you know, going back to the core idea of growth mindset when, when faced with challenges, um, I think it's important to not um, go into, the, you know, fall into the pit of negativity of um, being, you know, I, I think we're all guilty of this in certain aspects of our life of, oh, well, I'm not good at casing. That means I'm not going to be good at that. And so I won't you know, do all well interview performance and letting that be a drag, uh, you know, in your mind and, Letting that affect your actions uh, is something that I think I'm really wary of. Um, I think, you know, I saw a quote before and it goes, you know, your thoughts influence, um, you know, the way you react. Your reaction influences this, boom, and, you know, so on and so forth. And ultimately what you get down to is your thoughts impact um, your results, um, you know, because your actions um, are dictated by your thoughts uh, and then you know, results are dictated by your actions. Um, and so I've always been very conscious of that. Um, and that's how I've, I've really, you know, gone through a lot of the challenges that I faced uh, in the first year of business school. Thank, thanks for sharing that. And I think that makes, a, uh, I think that's a great approach to, to business school and also to taking on some things that are difficult. Um, and I, uh, I'm not an expert in growth mindset either, but I know how to Google. And so I've pulled it up and I've also read, you know, the book. So uh, for those listening at home, um, growth mindset is the the, the research and theory from Carol Dweck, who, uh, who wrote a very uh, great book called Mindset. And it's just the idea that there's essentially two mindsets. Um, there's a fixed mindset where you you kind of believe that intelligence and ability is, is static versus a growth mindset where you believe that intelligence or ability can be developed. And I think a great phrase that I know is being used a lot, particularly amongst um, um, child learners, is this idea of not yet, right? Um I may not know it, but it's not yet. It's not not ever, but just not yet. And it's just this idea that uh, you could learn it, or you could be it, or you could do it. Um, and um, you know, I think that that can that plays out in a, in a lot of ways. And I think you gave a really great example where, um, yeah, when you first started, you, you weren't great at casing, but not yet, right? But but you could be. And I think probably observing this from my end, I think what what helps. Uh, and your your looking at you was number one, um, having a clear goal of of what you you thought you wanted, right? Because when you can anchor on something, it it makes it more real. Um, but number two is just the the willingness to work towards that goal, um, and and to put in the effort, right? Um, in addition to believing, you know, in yourself in it, right? Um, because 
you know, it, anything worthwhile takes effort and, and overcoming things. Right. And so I think uh, that combination of knowing what the goal is, but also being willing to work towards it and the openness towards overcoming those issues or challenges, I think is, is probably what um, led you to kind of have that, that ability to, to achieve that goal. So. Yeah. And, and the one thing I'd add, and, you know, I, I tell this to the first year students that, um, that I'm mentoring or, or, or talking with when it comes to mindset and going about kind of this rigorous uh, recruiting cycle. Uh, and it's something that, you know, I've adapted or, or taken a little bit from uh, my, my, my favorite basketball player. And he talked about at the very end of his retirement that um, it's not about the, the destination, it's about the journey, right? And, and this idea of falling in love with the journey, falling in love with you know, the days where you, you know, you work hard when you don't want to, when you wake up in the morning when you don't want to, you stay up late when you don't want to, like, that's the dream, like that, that's, that's the real dream. And, you know, albeit when he was talking, he was talking about, you know, probably, you know, being the best ever Hall of Fame, like that was, you know, long-term, you know, 20 year thing, you know, we're talking about, you know, a five or six month thing, which is a tiny bit different, but still, I think the same tends to apply that, you know, as we go through the recruiting process, um, like I, I, I start to fall in love with what the recruiting process was like. I start to really enjoy casing. I start to really enjoy the behavioral prep, interview prep, like, like visually started to enjoy it. Um, instead of just having in the back of my mind that, you know, my ultimate goal and the thing that would only make me happy is getting the offer, which obviously, obviously made me really happy. But I think trusting that process, falling in love with that process um, is like where you'd want to be ideally. Um, and I think when you do so, just like anything else in life, right? Once you really enjoy the work that you do, you're going to go 110% at it. You're going to naturally do things to go above and beyond that somebody else who may not really enjoy it, mm-hmm. what they would do. And I think that, that ultimately breeds success. And so um, that's what I say to a lot of the mentees, um, fall in love with the process, like fall in love with the day-to-day, make those decisions to, to work hard when you don't want to, and um, you'll come out the other side successful. Um, so you didn't say it, but is your favorite player Kobe Bryant? Absolutely. Born and raised in, in the LA area. Okay. Who else would it be? Well, the, well, when you said that, I just couldn't think, I, I mean, there's other examples, but like that was the first one that came to mind. And he is a a, a perfect example of that. I mean, the man um, was relentless towards his goals and working through them. And um, there are countless stories of him just doing insane things to, because of how much he was a student of the game and how much he was a student of improving and being like working at his craft and being the best. Like he was, he was about the process and doing the, like the absolute best uh, and putting all the effort he could into it. Um, no, I, I absolutely agree. So another basketball player who I often think about with, with this analogy is I think about LeBron James, um, you know, in terms of how many times did he go to the NBA finals and lose before yeah. he became an NBA champion? Right. Um, think of all the things that he's had to do in order to be successful, right? He would never have gotten there if it weren't for a significant amount of the adversity that he had to come overcome and, and work through to become, you know, a champion. And here he is on, on the verge of, you know, probably winning another NBA championship and, and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, with respect to that, paling it back, obviously to NBA life. um, Yeah. A lot of the times that we see, you know, the, um, you see the people who get the, whatever the offer, or they get the role or they get the opportunity. And, and, and it's easy to, to sometimes look at them and be like, Oh, like, I wish I could be them. or I wish I could have that. And I think two things, one, 
Um, it's not just, you don't always think about what they had to do in order to get that. Right. And, and then, you know, num- number two, it's like, um, when you, and I think it's just natural in business school to want to compare yourself to other people. Right. But like, again, going with LeBron James, it's like, if you want to compare yourself to LeBron James, or you want to get that kind of winning, like, are you willing to take all the things that he had to take in order to get there? Right. The, the exactly. losing, right. And, and again, like the stakes in business school are a little bit <laughs> different, right. It's not like that, but, but it's the same principle, right. Of just, um, are you, are you, are you going to be willing to weather to your point earlier? Like I, if you, if you have something that you really care so much about that you're willing to kind of work through the highs and lows for, that's when you know, you have something that you really care about and that you're motivated by, right. Because, um, there are going to be setbacks. Exactly. And it, you know, this conversation reminds me just, you know, going back to most of my schooling experience, probably you know, before business school, um, I always looked around and I think a lot of us did. We were like, oh, this person's so smart. Oh, they're so talented. And like, and I think that kind of falls probably into like the fixed mindset space of like, oh, like, you know, they're here. I'm not. Yes, and like, exactly. they're so much better. Like, 100%. And, and, and now it's like, um, no, like, it's all about the effort. It's all about the time, right? There's, there's a saying of um, hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. Like, yeah, there's going to be people who are naturally talented. Like, you look at LeBron James, like, yes, there's a certain level of natural talent to it. But if you don't work hard, like, it almost doesn't matter how, how naturally talented you are. So, you know, I think the lesson is uh, all, it, it all goes back to your effort, um, which goes back to your mindset, you know, the time you put in, um, you know, going back to basketball, basketball analogies, like you hear all the stories, like you mentioned of, you know, Kobe doing two, three, 4 a.m. workouts, you know, off season getting up at 4.30 and like, that's the stuff that no one sees. And like, that's what it takes, you know, obviously in basketball, like to become great. Um, and, you know, I think the, the learnings from that, applying it to business school, applying it to recruiting um, it is, is very, very applicable, right? Like if you're just doing the bare minimum, um, just to get by, um, you, you, you can't expect to be great, right? If, if you want to be great, you have to do what it takes to be great. You have to be willing to put in the time. Um, you have to be willing to put in the effort late, late nights, early mornings. Um, you have to dedicate yourself to it. And I think a certain level of that certainly exists in recruiting. I know it did for me. And, um, when I was going through it, like, you know, I don't want to call it an obsession, but like, that's all I obsessed over was like, how can I be better next week? What happened this week? How do, how can I case better? How can I prepare better? How can I network better? Like that constant iteration on how I can be better um, is I think what served me pretty well. And it's something that I take even to, you know, my internship and the other parts of, of business school and life is the constant iteration to perform it and just, and just be better. Um, and I think that comes with the growth mindset. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, so you ha- you're the president of the consult, the consulting and strategy club. Um, we got, you know, you're just kicking off a recruiting season, particularly for first years, that's going to be a little different. Um, and you know, let's just say it, uh, the world's challenged right now. And so business school is challenging right now, maybe just to wrap up, you know, what, what advice do you have, um, particularly for your classmates, you know, kind of. I'm thinking about this idea of the growth mindset, you know, how can they apply that um, 
you know, to a time like right now, whether that's towards consulting, recruiting, whether that's towards just navigating the day-to-day, whether that's towards um, full-time recruiting, but how can they maybe apply some of that growth mindset just in a very similar way that you did towards um, navigating through this, this path or whatever goal they're trying to reach? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And a lot of feedback that I've gotten from um, the first years at, at USC specifically, and I'm sure it's prevalent, you know, throughout the, the U.S. at the top schools, but um, coming into a virtual atmosphere uh, where you don't have the opportunities or, or the same opportunities to meet your classmates, network with them, form those strong relationships. Um, I have heard that it, it's difficult for students to make connections outside of their core groups or even probably outside of their core, uh, the, their entire core class of who they take all the classes with, um, which presents a really different problem in that you just don't have uh, as many connection points for people that you can talk to about consulting, recruiting, that uh, you can case with, uh, that you trust, that, that, that I think me and you had, Al. Um, and so that's that's the, the major problem that I'm seeing. And I think because of those issues, they're trickling, they're trickling into other aspects of recruiting and, and other difficulties that they're having. So, you know, kind of with that as the backdrop, uh, I think the overall advice I would have um, First, I'll say non, nothing to do with growth mindset, but the first advice I would have is continue to leverage the club, continue to leverage other platforms by which the school is allowing those interaction points to happen with you and your classmates, um, because it's imperative that you start building out your network. That's a big reason why you came to business school is to build that network and, you know, letting a year go by where you only know, you know five or six people that are around you is, I think, a big miss. Um, so take those opportunities through the club, through the school to get to know other classmates in different cores, um, that are recruiting potentially different things. Um, I think that will really open up, you know, not only, you know, the, the natural, uh, social side uh, of your life, but, uh, also it'll open up other ways for you to, uh, learn from other individuals who are going through probably very similar things that you are. Um, from a growth mindset perspective, um, I think it's just that constant reminder every day that, um, you know, acknowledging this is a tough spot to be in, but not letting that drag you down and um, letting that, you know, let you be either complacent uh, in your efforts with recruiting uh, or with a consulting club or any club for that matter. Don't let that um, weigh down, you know, your desire to be successful. Continue to engage with the clubs that you're in, continue to engage with the alumni that you're, that you're meeting to recruit for. Um, and, you know, really just, you know, what I did last year, take, take a pull check at the end of every week, see what's gone well, see what didn't, um, see what you can improve on. Um, you know, many of you have mentors through the various clubs that you're in. Um, debrief at the end of every week, whenever you meet with them. Uh, you know, I know for MCS, we meet with our mentees every single week. What can you improve on? Um, what did you do last week that, was, that went really well you want to continue doing? And just make a game plan. You know, it doesn't have to be like hours worth of planning, right? This is like a 30-minute conversation with yourself uh, of seeing what went well, what didn't go well, um, and have some sort of plan for the following week. And that really helped me out a lot last year. And I think being in this situation of being uh, working from home and taking school from home, that can really help you out as well. So take that inventory, make a plan for how you want to you know, attack next week. Um, you know, you're, you're in a pretty safe really safe zone. There's very little that you can do in business school that's going to like, you know, risk your career um, or, or be detrimental to you in any way. So 
you know, try different things out um, as far as how you can improve. And I think that constant adjustment um, is, you know, part of what the growth mindset is about that, again, going back to what Al said, it's not that you can't do it, it's that it hasn't happened yet. So continue that self-improvement, uh, continue taking inventory. And, uh, you know, I think when you look back next year, um, I think you'll be very happy that you did. I think that's all great advice. And Noe, thank you so much for, for joining, for coming on the podcast to talk about um, your recruiting journey, management consulting recruiting journey, and how to use a growth mindset uh, to navigate not only recruiting, but business school in general. Um, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Al. Appreciate it. Anytime. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.